Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to England Cricket on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. I'm Daniel Norcross and I'm joined today... And a little bit of a change in the normal schedule. Not by Rory Dollard, the puff pastry hangman. He's got a couple of weeks off. Instead, it's the big cheese himself, Le Grand Fromage. It's Jared Kember. Lovely to have you along. Um, I'm glad I still got a stupid nickname um, to go along with uh, uh, the puff pastry hangman. That's not. A I, I would have been nickname. disappointed if you just said, "Is Jared?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I've sort of put you in a bracket a little bit with Matt Pryor there, which. Um, Thinking about it is probably not the most flattering thing. So I take it all back. Um, We are going to talk today because we're on the eve of a test series taking place in Pakistan, an historic one between England and Pakistan, 17 years after the last one in 2005. We are going to discuss, well, all the shenanigans that have been taking place today. There's a virus in the camp. Who are England going to end up fielding as a team? And indeed, when will the test match actually start? We'll also look at the selection that was announced yesterday um, the 11 that were announced to take the field. What does that tell you about Bazball, if that's the word we're continuing to use? But in the absence of any other, I might as well. And finally, how does a team like that, on pitches like those, take 20 wickets? I'm hoping that Jared is going to be able to find the answer because I'm pretty sure Rory and I wouldn't stand a chance. England Cricket on 99.94 is your new home for England Cricket content. We will be dropping into your podcast feed and on YouTube or the 99.94 app several times every week. So please do rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Now, Jared, um, the news just come over. They've got five years left to die in. No, that's a David Bowie song. The news has just come over that um, there's a lot of virus in the camp. Now, people are being a bit cagey about the type of virus. It's not a food bug, apparently. Oh, no, it can't be that because they've got a chef. Uh, the chef's come down with the bug as well, incidentally. It's some <laughs> kind of non-specific virus thing that Joe Root has had and recovered from. But at the at the time of recording, only five fit English male players were available, uh, one of whom was Joe Root. That's not enough to make a team um, in cricket normally. You, you tend to need 11. So you and I played in some club sides where yeah. we, we probably pushed that. To be fair, I've started a game with three at um, oh at Albury back in two thousand and one. Uh, I was opening the batting. It was an horrendous thing. I just basically stared at the driveway, waiting for the the three cars containing the other eight players to arrive. But that's another matter. I don't think England will be in quite in that situation. What they have done though is I don't know is this sensible or is this just colonial privilege. They have got their heads together with the PCB and an agreement has been made that if the England camp is still stricken with terrible virus when the scheduled start time occurs, they will postpone the start of the test match by a day and this will make no change to the remaining schedule. 
Um, so the two matches in Multan and Karachi would still start on the 9th and 17th of December, respectively, leaving a very small gap between the first and second test. Uh, and it means that we're unlikely, therefore, to get to see the delightful prospect of Rob Key back in England colours, or Paul Collingwood, or Marcus Dreskothic, or, as Joe Root quite preposterously suggested, Brendan McCullum. He seemed to forget that Brendan McCullum isn't, in fact, English. Um, that's a shame, isn't it? It would have been rather nice to see. Didn't they have him at three? He's not a three. I mean, it was he was all over the place, Root. <laughs> He's not a three. <laughs> no, you make a strong point. He's not a three. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, 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 I guess that's possibly why he's no longer captain. Would make sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so weird. So you mentioned colonial privilege because I don't think any cricket team is wrong to ask, right? But I do find it weird that other teams haven't asked before, <laughs> as far as we know. It doesn't seem to be a very popular thing to do. And to go back, uh, Dan, that uh, Ireland played the West Indies uh, during COVID times or covid times. Uh, and during that period, they had to uh, bring out their batting coach, William Porterfield, who, to be fair, compared to Truscothic, Key and uh, Collingwood, was probably not as far out of the game as, as they had been. So it wasn't as ridiculous a situation. But they also had uh, one of their bowlers batting in the top order. Um, uh, you know, he had done it before, but they weren't. that wasn't the plan. They had to do that because they had no fit batters, right? I don't think Ireland would have felt comfortable asking. And I think that is quite interesting in the fact that England has done that. The other thing is, and I don't think you, oh, well, you probably weren't covering this one because I was there for talk sports, so you, you wouldn't have been allowed. But when um, everyone got sick in South Africa a couple of years ago, uh, when England were there, uh, that was a situation where England lost that test, most probably because of the illness that went through their camp. Might have even been COVID before we were caught, we knew what COVID was at that point. Um, it, the whole thing's just bizarre that we've got to that point. But cricket does have a great history of 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 teams going out and playing with random people. That yeah. So with Henry Blofeld probably being the number one most famous case of 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 uh, cricket getting to a ridiculous point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's there's always a a little question mark around that as well, isn't there? Because it's it's Henry Blofeld. <laughs> Henry loves and it probably didn't happen. So whether he actually... <laughs> and, and yeah, almost certainly didn't happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the difference here between this and the example you gave with Ireland is just the real politic of it, isn't it? Is that um, England touring Pakistan is a really big deal. As I said right at the top, hasn't been done for 17 years. And uh, I guess they've got to make sure that they've, they can, as far as possible, get... 11 fit players were well, fit 11 people onto the onto the park i mean no one recovers from a virus that lays them out sufficiently to play test cricket within a day you wouldn't have thought so you know which whatever 11 england put out there there might be around five relatively fit players and there'll be about six that that aren't relatively fit so that's going to be that's going to be a challenge if if touring pakistan isn't already a challenge but um, you know, there are some rather amusing possibilities here, uh, none of which will happen, I'm sorry to say. You mentioned Henry Blofeld, but the BBC TMS team has got a really good candidate to uh, to bat at in Pakistan, Vic Marks. The last three times he batted in Pakistan, he got a half century on each occasion. Um, Specialist. Alex Hartley could be the first time. 
And especially with, with Jack Leach not feeling so well, they need a left-arm spinner. Finally, could we get to see a, a woman playing in a men's test match? She's out there for the uh, for the England side, and actually her speeds are up a little bit. They're, they're closer to Jack Leach's speed over the last, uh, last season. I think she was averaging 51, 52 miles an hour, so that could be intriguing. Nice low action as well. Could be awkward on those slow, low pitches. And um, Andy Zaltzman, wicketkeeper batter, left-hander. Could this be his chance? Um, yeah. I, I've seen Zaltzman play some very good shots. I'm, I'm all for Team Zaltzman in this situation. And uh, if, that, if that's what it comes to, I think in many ways cricket is the real winner. Um, what, I, what I would say is that... Um, the, I think the, the nightmare scenario for England is – I've got I've got no problem with England asking, and I think Ireland probably should have asked looking back on it, and I've also got no problem with Pakistan saying no, right? If I was working for those two boards, I would ask and I would say no. That, that, would, be, that would be how I would do it. I think England's nightmare scenario is if this is one of those Pakistani flat pitches where it's impossible to get a wicket and they spend two and a half days bowling, uh, that it could flow on, pardon the pun, uh, throughout the entire series. So Pat Cummins talked about the fact that Australia looked at the Pakistan tour as not a test match, but a, well, not three test matches, but a 15-day test match. Um, and knowing that they would have to be out in the field for good periods of time, they would have to rest people during games and all these sorts of things. If they are sick and you know someone goes out there at 80% and ends up in the field for two and a half days, that could have a real follow-on effect, I think, for England. So... I've got no problem with them asking um, and I've got no problem with Pakistan saying no. Um, it, I, I don't know how it works, you know, with, with ticket sales because it's not as if Pakistan ticket sales are a major part of how they make their money. But at the same time, you, you know, you've just got cricket back at home in Pakistan. <laughs> Do you really want to annoy a bunch of people who are coming in for day one of a test? I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's it's a, a less than perfect situation. But I think I think it'll probably be resolved with England taking to the field on the scheduled first day um, after having been given some, you know, some pills and uh, pitching up. It's all a sort of storm in a teacup is the way I would see it. But you never know. I might be proved completely wrong and it could all be a total mayhem on the start of the test match at uh, God awful o'clock tomorrow morning. Now, it's we're going to take a short break. After that, we are going to look at the England team as selected. What does that tell us? About Basball. I'm Jared Kimber and I host two podcasts on 99.94. Red Inca, which is chats on trends and stories within the game with a weekly Q&A where I can be asked about anything from a time-travelling Don Bradman to which cricket ground serves the best food. And Double Century, I look at the historical stories that make cricket what it is today. You can search for either of them in your favourite podcast platform or on the 99.94 DM app. So welcome back. First test match between England and Pakistan due to take place imminently in Rawalpindi. And England have selected an unusual side, to say the least. Opening the batting, Ben Duckett. Ben Duckett, a man who's made his name scoring runs at Trent Bridge and at Wantage Road. Opening the batting against English county seamers. He's going to play yet another test match. By say, When I say yet another, um, not very many at all. But every single one of them has been played on the subcontinent, opening the batting. Very different set of circumstances, I grant you, in Pakistan, but quite how well he did in the T20 series against spin, I'm not quite sure um, how that translates necessarily into how you face the likes of Nazim Shah in a five-day game with a Red Bull. 
Um, Liam Livingston, who hasn't played first-class cricket all year, he's in the side, carded to bat at eight, definitely picked as a second spinner behind Jack Leach. A very curious selection, it seems to me. Will Jacks, who's also in the squad, uh, did play an awful lot of county cricket last year and did do an awful lot of bowling. Jared, you've crunched the numbers on um, Liam Livingston. I say crunched. You've looked them up. And um, he's not bowled a lot of overs, has he, in the last two or three years? Uh, no. Uh, that's the easy way of putting it. Uh, he, he bowled 91 overs last year. And what's that? I mean, part-timer in first-class cricket, you're probably looking at, what, 150 to 200 overs. So that's a cash, That's like a zero-contract hours bowler. Um, uh, who's only available on the weekend, mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, the year before, he only bowled 21 overs. And, you know, career-wise, he has 43 wickets at 36. So if you're expecting, if England get more than two wickets out of him, it's an ab- a huge success story, I would say, looking at his career numbers. Uh, he is playing in Asia. But Pakistan, I think sometimes we overestimate how much the ball um, spins in Pakistan. Essentially, Pakistan's uh, major skill is uh, not allowing the bowlers to be very good at all and uh, slamming their head into uh, uh, you know, a pitch. But yeah, 43 career wickets at 36. So his average is fine. So he probably gets used when the ball spins. I had a look. He took 18 wickets at Old Trafford. So a good chunk of his career wickets come in a place where you do want a bowl spin. Um, and my guess is most of the rest of the time when he is actually bowled, uh, it's probably been uh, in a situation where they have needed him. He took six wickets in the Caribbean in 2018. I, I, don't, I might be the first person to ever say this, but I would say the Caribbean wickets of 2018 are probably very similar to the kinds of wickets you do get in Pakistan. So there's that. Yeah. Um, look, it could, be, it could be an inspired move, but I think whatever it is, and Rory and I have discovered over the course of the last few months, that being sceptical about what Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum choose to do with their selections and how they choose to play the game is a mugs game because that scepticism is always uh, slightly undercut by extraordinary and historic victories by this team. But both McCullum, sorry, both Duckett and Livingston, those are picks straight out of McCullum central casting, aren't they? I mean, this would you would never have seen those two picked completely randomly for... Pakistan test match under any of England's previous coaches would you no I wouldn't I can't think of anyone who would have done it it's the baseball thing is quite interesting if you if you step back from it because essentially I think we've proven now that essentially they played baseball with the worst batch of Duke's balls that have ever been stitched or hand stitched um and then uh they played against South Africa and the balls actually did start to move around and baseball sort of faded away and if Dean Elgar had enough stuffed up at the toss. They might have lost that series, in fact, you know. Um, so this is almost the first proper test of it because this is when you want your England plotting batters to play against Pakistan. You want someone to make 80 from 200 balls um, on some of these pitches. You know, it's a different kind of batting. So it's interesting that they're going with it again. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I-, I just can't imagine them doing that in any other way. Um, and perhaps on the very flat pitches, maybe maybe it will uh, work again. Just it it still feel it feels to me like what McCullum is is really saying is it's less about baseball and it's more about the fact that he's seen all the defensive batters and doesn't think that they can actually make the eighty off two hundred balls. Even the Dom Sibley uh, innings maybe can't happen anymore. And so what McCullum is saying is 
let's if we're going to do it, let's just pick the guys who can smack the ball around a little bit. And slowly but surely, we are they are killing off the defensive players in this lineup one at a time, aren't they? It feels like that. I mean, there's a, one other slight nuance to it, I guess, is Livingston in at eight. We mentioned, you know, his his figures aren't particularly impressive. They're not unimpressive, but. He's been chosen ahead of Jacks in this squad, but more importantly, he's been chosen ahead of Parkinson in the squad at all. So I don't know whether that's a fear, is it, of an 8, 9, 10, 11 that consists of Parkinson, Leach, Robinson, Anderson. Um, and I think, I guess that is a form of comfort for England, but Liam Livingston doesn't strike me as a batting at number eight. I, I, you know, he's just going to go out and attack, isn't he? That that will be his pretty much only way of playing in that position. You would assume that, and we've seen this before, when you put a proper player who has any attacking tendencies batting at number seven at number eight, usually it's like lighting their arse on fire, isn't it? And they go out there and they become, I mean, Moen Ali's probably the best example of someone who has done this before. Uh, and uh, you, you could see it sometimes even when younger players, they come into the side batting at number seven, you know, that was a you know a thing that teams used to do back in the old days, you know, and the players would start off by smashing the ball everywhere and then they'd move up the order and suddenly they'd play like normal batters again. They're, they're, you know, I hate the, the tyranny of the batting card, but it does seem to affect players. So you would assume that Livingston is going to have a strike rate of at least a runner ball and is going to try and crack it. Now, if he's trying to crack Pakistani bowlers who've been in the field for a day and a half, that's a hell of a great number eight to have. Um, if he comes in and it's six for 100 and Nassim Shah's bowling at 100 miles an hour, uh, things change and you've got some dreary spinner at the other end who doesn't you know, allow you to get away. So it, I, I find it, it's an interesting um, theory. Uh, how it plays out, I don't know, but I can't imagine. There's no way McCullum's going to say, I want you to bat normally. He's going to say, go out there and smack the ball. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's always the case, isn't it? If Basball has a kind of founding philosophy, is that when you're up against it, you attack your way out of it. And England have obviously got the the side to do that with the bat. We'll come on to what they do with the ball shortly. Just before we finish off on their batting lineup, uh, Harry Brook is going to be in the side. I mean, in a sense, he's the man in possession. He came into the side for the Oval Test match when Johnny Bairstow broke his leg on a golf course. Further proof, if proof be need be, that golf is evil and should not be allowed anywhere near cricketers. Uh, but it's actually only really in Pakistan that Harry Brook has found any kind of international success. While he was out in Australia, he struggled a fair bit. Uh, and if he does come off, England have got a very attractive-looking middle order, haven't they, of Pope at three, Root four, Brook five, Stoke six. Um, attractive, but not, not necessarily explosive, you know? I mean, that's not a kind of wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, kind of uh, middle order because, you know, Pope and Root will will go at a, a respectable but but not exactly crash-bang wallop rate, won't they? Yeah, I'm, we saw Root play reverse ramps uh, in England in the summer, didn't we? So he's not going to suddenly score it the way that Bairstow and, and Stokes have, but... Um, he will still play some of those white ball shots because he has the confidence to do that. He might get the pitchers to play them here as well. But yeah, I, I don't think it's quite Bearstow and Stokes, is it? It's not uh, uh, on that same level of that you would expect um, to do that. So perhaps though, having Livingston later on allows for a little bit of that uh, two-man muscle game if they need uh, or if they want it. 
But yeah, I, I think it, it's probably, I'll be interesting to see how Harry Brook bats consistently in test cricket because I think McCullum will be pushing him to be more and more aggressive. And I'm not sure that that's his best long-term game. I don't know. I don't, what do you think? Um, I, I need to see more of Brook to make sense of it because what I see of Brook is a man who can time the ball absolutely beautifully and place the ball absolutely beautifully. But I've yet to see him really construct an innings, if you know what I mean. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of beautiful shots, but I'm not sure I've seen an innings come together in the same way that, for example, you see a Pope innings. I saw Pope innings when, when Pope was the same sort of age as Brooke, actually against Yorkshire, which was one of the most perfectly constructed innings I've ever seen. Now, Brooke's star has shone really in first-class cricket only this year at the start of this year, and not a lot of that was too visible. Saw a little bit of it on on live streams, uh, but mostly saw highlights of wonderful shot-making. Um, I haven't seen that kind of, you know, 50 off 100 becomes 100 off 170 becomes 150 off 210, if you know what I mean. Um, so I'm going to be very interested to see. I think he's in a comfortable place in Pakistan. I think those pitches will suit him. Um, and I think he's very comfortable getting onto the front foot and he'll be able to get onto the front foot in Pakistan because he's not going to be forced back. But look, time will tell. It's time for us to take our final break. After that, we will be discussing really the most important thing in test cricket. How on earth do you take 20 wickets? How do you take 20 wickets on Pakistan pitches? And how do you take 20 wickets with England's attack? Whether it's missing flights or retirements out of the blue, whether it's resignations or bans, as the old saying goes, there's never a quiet day in West Indies cricket. So make sure you listen to West Indies on 99.94 to stay up to date with all the latest fallout with the teams in Maroon. Welcome back. So, England's bowling attack. It's Ben Stokes, who is a reluctant bowler, but when he does bowl, bowls 20 overs and then limps for about a month, which will surely happen here. Uh, it's two spinners in Leach and Livingston, both of whom you imagine will bowl one poor ball and over because they have done so far throughout their careers. And then it's Ollie Robinson and Jimmy Anderson. Now, the template for taking 20 wickets in Pakistan, I thought, Jared, was um, extreme pace and mystery spin. Abdul Qadir, Imran Khan, Wazim Akram, Waka Yunus. Indeed, the sorts of bowlers that Pakistan um, had in their T20 outfit. There'd be no Shine Shah Afridi, but the likes of Nazim Shah, Harris Ralph, quick bowlers to take the pitch out of the equation. England have got a very two very English seamers to open the bowling. And this strikes me as odd. I mean, part of it is circumstance, isn't it? Part of it is the lack of available, really pacey options. Um, Wood is out there, but clearly he struggled through the World T20. So getting him to bowl through a whole test match could be problematic. It looks to me like they're saving him for the, for the middle test in the hope that they can get a whole test out of him there. Otherwise, uh, I mean, there's not going to be an inch of grass on the pitch. And I'm not quite sure how, how Robinson and Anderson, I say this, Anderson's got incredibly good figures in the UAE, remarkably good figures in the UAE. And pitches are not utterly dissimilar. But it doesn't look like a, an attack that screams 20 wickets to me. 
No, it's well, it's the anti-Pakistan attack. I mean, there's a reason why reverse swing and the things like the fingerongin and the dusro were invented there, and that's because those guys uh, were sick and tired of bowling uh, and not taking any wickets, right? So you have to do what you have to do uh, to actually, uh, you know, invent something new and, and make it work. There, and wobble ball, wobble ball is another one. Muhammad Asif, um, uh, you know, invented the wobble ball as well. So. They've invented a lot of things uh, because they are bored of bowling on flat pitches. And you look at this and you go, okay, the whole idea was that Stokes didn't bowl that much. Well, chances are that Livingston is not more than 10 overs a day, so Stokes is going to have to bowl something there. Ollie Robinson is fit, but, I mean, that's a there's a spectrum of fit with Ollie Robinson, isn't there? Is he how? What's his third spell going to be like? Is he going to be able to actually get through the crease correctly? And as I said, you might, in one innings, he might have to bowl seven or eight spells, right? Like it could be a phenomenally long session if if these pitches remain as flat as we have seen. Um, and then you've got Anderson. So Anderson has one of the best bowling averages, I think, in Pakistan, in Pakistan of any bowler ever. But he did that when he was, you know, forty years ago, whenever it was he first um, played in Pakistan. Um, and then you've got. And then you've got Jack Leach, who Jack Leach needs the ball to spin. It may not spin, Dan. <laughs> so it does look like a bizarre uh, lineup. I'm not sure what you could do to make this lineup better. Um, but the minute they decided that they wanted Livingston in the side, you, you almost have to hope that he has the best bowling game of his life to um, to justify it. And if he if he just has a normal Livingston bowling game where you know he takes less than a wicket a game. Um, you wouldn't want to be Ollie Robertson in that fifth spell, would you? Looking up and going, oh, not only do I have to bowl again, if I don't get a wicket here, Livingston's going to have to come on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Joe Root's going to do a lot of bowling as well, incidentally. And, yep. and again, not because the pitch is turning, but because um, Ben Stokes can't bowl 25 overs a day. Ollie Robertson possibly could, but as you say, is he Pakistan fit? He is fitter. Is he Pakistan fit? Jimmy Anderson could do that, but... You're sort of asking yourself, do you really want Jimmy Anderson to, at, at his age to do three back-to-back tests in Pakistan? England have got two tests against New Zealand. The Ashes is a long way away. It's it's six months away, and England have quite rightly been castigated for thinking too far into the future and not looking at what's right in front of them. But nonetheless, Jimmy Anderson doesn't scream five wickets a game here. There's two things I think might be to their advantage, possibly. Uh, one is that England will bat quickly, so they will have quite a lot of time in the field. <laughs> and the more time in the field you have, the, I suppose, the better chance there is of taking twenty wickets. The other side of it is: um, Are these games going to? Are we going to get results? I mean, are we actually looking at results? I mean, there's a couple of reasons. Take forget the pitch just for a minute. Uh, the, the matches are, are only five and a half hours per day. So you're already losing half an hour. You'll not be able to make up the half hour that inevitably is needed to make up the overs because sunset in Pakistan this time of year, around Roll Pindi, for example, is around about five to five. So they're not gonna they're not gonna manage to get in extra overs. So I would not be at all surprised, especially in pretty warm conditions, especially with bowlers who are having to bowl very long spells, that you're gonna be looking at 75 over days here which is a pretty different kind of proposition on flat decks. If you're losing 15 overs a day, you're almost losing a whole day's play. So forcing results 
on really, really flat decks in four and a bit days, maybe, you know, it's going to come down. Just as you said, uh, Pat Cummins described it as 15 days of test cricket. I think he also said he, he even went one one bit further and said he saw it as one 45-session test match. Um, it's going to come down, isn't it, potentially, to a side imploding, losing their minds, being a bit daft in, in a session, losing four or five wickets, you know, daft run out, something really unlucky, um, a slog that, that rebounds off short leg. It could be it could be that kind of thing that's going to break the stalemate. Yeah, it's it's such a different form of cricket because when Pakistan left us, their pitches were not that dissimilar. They didn't spin as much as India, but they were batting friendly in the way that India's were. And we kind of knew more or less that it was a normal wicket, but it was an Asian wicket. Since then, Asian wickets seem to be more Asian. Um, Sri Lanka seems to spin more and, you know, India have spiced up some of their wickets at times and for quicks and for spinners. The rest of cricket has gone seeing bowler crazy, right? Like, you know, seeing bowlers are taking wickets at a, a rate that we just never seen before. Um, absolutely remarkable. And then you come back and, you know, the, the draw rate in Pakistan so far, and I think there's only been one game that was affected by the weather, um, is just so much higher than anywhere else in the in the world. And it's only from a few games at the moment, and we don't know if that will stay. But as it currently stands, it does feel like this is a different form of cricket. So, you know, for someone like Jimmy Anderson, who probably grew up playing this form of cricket when he started, it makes a lot more sense. For the baseball sort of more method of everyone else, it is, I think, a little bit more of a, of a random way. And as you said, you have that, if you have that session where you you do lose a bunch of wickets, you know, your middle order, you know, someone someone walks past one and chips one up in the air and suddenly you get yourself in that sort of position. Um, it, it could easily fall apart, not just in that test, but in, in the series, in the way that uh, they, they seem to be played in Pakistan. Does England have the mindset for that? You know, it, remember that Brendan McCullum, for all the baseball stuff, if you look at his record... He didn't play that aggressive all the time. He's got a triple hundred where he played a quite defensive. And I think he had a big score in the UAE, which was that the triple hundred or was that the double hundred that he made? Uh, yeah, a couple of times he's actually batted in a different way. Brendan McCullum was a really good player who could play in different levels. One of the worries I've had looking at England is, do they think they have to play ultra aggressive? And if you look at Ben Stokes and how he's been playing in death cricket at times, you'd say that he kind of does feel that way. I'm not sure that's going to suit here I mean, we could be completely wrong and they could, you know, make 450 in those 75 overs and completely rip the heart out of Pakistan. But I just don't think that is the way that you play on these pitches. I entirely agree with you. But as I said, I've been proved completely wrong constantly by Ben Stokes uh, to the extent that I'm sure he gives me a kind of sideways look every time he sees me. He's have to say, you're a cretin and you know nothing. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve judgment till we get, you know, until England have their first batting collapse, which may be on the first day, maybe on the third day. Um, and who knows when that first day will be, as we discussed earlier. Will it Will it be on a scheduled day? Will it get moved forward? There's so many ifs and buts. But we will be back on England Cricket on 99.94 to discuss how the series is going. Is Basball going to prevail? Will Basball actually be unveiled? Will it be an entirely different method that they feel they have to use? How many overs will there be in a day? What will England do against Pakistan's fierce seamers? And usually, there's usually a 55-year-old spinner who's masquerading as a 34-year-old like Abdur Rahman or Zulfika Baba. 
Will there be one of those to lighten and gladden the heart? We will find out shortly. Thank you for listening to England Cricket on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day. Please rate, review, subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at, in my case, Norcross Cricket. And Jared, what's your Twitter handle? A Jared Kimber. Marvellous. Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media. Follow us at 9994DM. Cricket, every day, your way. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.